0: Hey everyone, welcome once again to Podcast In-Death, the weekly podcast where we discuss the In-Death series of books by J.D. Robb. I am AJ. I'm Jen. I'm Tara. And with us today, we have a special guest. She is a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author uh, of romantic suspense books and... Uh, She's also been nominated for multiple awards, including The Thriller, uh, Romance Writers of America's Best Romantic Suspense. That was five times and twice won the, I'm going to say this wrong, Daphne du Mariner. Mariner? Mariner? How do you say that? I would to mess it up, too. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Marnay. No, it's not Marnay. Uh, I always get teased about it, too.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, um, please welcome to the show, Allison Brennan. Thank you so much for having me. So we um, have had you on the show because mostly because one of our listeners, we had her on the show as a guest. And um, at the end, she said, you know, you guys really need to talk to Allison Brennan. And unfortunately, we were all three going, "Who?" <laughs> and she said, "Oh no, she's a you know romantic suspense author. She's written a ton of books. She's really great, and she's a big fan of the Indef series. And she's written articles about the Indef series online. Uh, and you know, you really should have her on. She's great." So um, that's when I contacted you and said, "Hey, do you want to be on?" And um, after that, once we announced it. I couldn't believe the number of our listeners that were like, oh my God, are you kidding? Allison (laughs) Brennan is going to be on the show. That's fantastic. You know? So, okay, now I got to send,
1: I'm going to go send that person. You have to contact her and get me her name and address. And I'm going to go send her a book sign to thank her for recommending me.
0: She will be thrilled. she will be thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll
1: send her whichever one
0: that she doesn't have uh, so she can let me know. So we're here really to talk to you about your series um and also about strong women because you know uh that's what your all of your series are about. So you have a lot of them. So I, I generally will say, like, tell us about your book, but um uh tell us a little bit about about, about your series of what you write and you know
2: yeah why well, you write it.
1: I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little how I got started and just try to do it in like two minutes or less okay so basically like I said I have five kids and I'd always wanted to write so I when my number three I was on maternity leave I started uh reading a lot and again because when you have little kids that's one thing that goes is reading I mean, it's like you're reading Dr. Seuss. You're mm-hmm. not reading Nora <laughs> yeah. Roberts or Jenny Robb or right. anything else. And, um, but I started reading again. And uh, Lisa Gardner is one of my favorite authors of all time. And I just absolutely love her. And I read her book, The Third Victim. And it was like, okay, that's exactly the kind of stuff I want to write. So I, one, I didn't want to go back to work, but I had to. But I started writing at um, night when my kids were asleep. And so I did end up. I wrote five books before I sold it, and I ended up selling The Prey, which was my first book. It was a romantic suspense and I sold it to Valentine. Um, and then after that, I, I was able to quit my job. It was kind of a leap of faith because you never know if your career is going to take off, but my husband was working also. So I figured, okay, well, I'm going to use my advance and live for a year and hope that I get another contract. So I did, I had two more kids <laughs> so, to make it to the five and oh. um, I really the rest is history my first 12 books were romantic suspense i wrote them in trilogies um and then i wrote a couple paranormals that didn't do very well they were supernatural thrillers Mm. that got marketed as paranormal romance which is really hard when there's no sex in the
0: books because people get upset Um, i
1: mean there are romance books
0: that don't have sex i mean yeah
1: it was a It was kind of a romance in a way, but that was not the focus of the story. It was supposed to go seven books it ended up going to. And then I launched the Lucy Kincaid series, which Mm -hmm. is really what kind of made my career. Um, The Lucy Kincaid series has 17 books in it and a little bit like even work. It starts as it's romantic suspense in a way, but it really focuses on the mystery and then the world that I build around them. So Lucy is one of um, seven. Sean is one of five. They have large families. Everybody's in some sort of law enforcement or military or whatever. And I was able to kind of build this world and show Lucy as she went through the FBI Academy, became a rookie agent. And then it was book eight that she was actually out of the Academy, relocated to San Antonio, Texas. Um, And then I was able to build the whole world with her office, too. So I think. You know, they have their long term relationship. But to me, it's a little more realistic in the sense, sort of like, you know, even more where they they meet, they fall in love, but they have to deal with all these other things that are going on in their lives, their past, their friends, family, whatever happens to be careers, their their differences. Um, and that was kind of Sean and, and Lucy as well. He's a private investigator and she's an FBI agent. So um, I did the Lucy Kincaid series. I have one uh, limited series of five books, Maxine Revere, straight up mysteries, cold case mystery series, um, which I really liked writing. But one of the things in publishing is that they it's a business. And so my publisher said, well, Lucy sells a lot more than Max. So we want more Lucy and we don't want more Max. Right. It's like, okay. (laughs) So I ended up right now I have 17 Lucy books. I don't have any more scheduled. I um, Because I wanted to do take a little break after 17 books, and I wrote um, the Quint and Costa series. Unlike Nora Roberts, I can really max out at three books a year. Um, <laughs> you know, I could blame it on the fact that I have five kids, of which two are still at home, but it's probably just because
0: I'm lazy. No, um, but you say that you max out at five books a year, but from three books. from three three, <laughs> three books a year. Sorry, but um, from what I have so far read they're really dense and very information packed and i mean i'm not not, and that's not to say that nora roberts isn't uh is like fluff because she's not i mean she researches and does all that but your three books easily equals nora's four or five in a year just just based on them the amount of what's in there you know,
1: they tend to be pretty meaty. They're probably a little mm-hmm. longer too, because they're about right. one hundred and twenty thousand words. That I would probably guess Nora's books are a little shorter than that, probably about a hundred. So you know, but you know, I don't. I you learn really early on not to compare yourself to other authors right. because mm-hmm. Lisa Gardner only writes one book a year, but I'll read I'll read it every single year. I love her books, and you know, so she does one book a year. I don't think that she's any better or worse because of that, I think she writes one great book a year and, uh, you know, I, I love it. And Nora is able to write more and, you know, more power to her. Of mm-hmm. course, her kids are grown. I'm just right. <laughs> it's a little different, but. You know,
3: and I'd also say too, that even three books a year is a lot. It's a
1: lot. It seems okay. like a it's lot. Not
3: yeah. like, it's not like you're being lazy. I mean, <laughs> that's right? a lot of books a year.
1: Yeah. I, so... I say I, I'm lazy. I do procrastinate a lot, but I, do right every day. So I mean, I'm focused. And I did learn a lot. I've read everything Nora's written on writing on her website about how you have to be disciplined. It's your job. They pay Mm -hmm. you to do this. And so when I want to kind of spend my time research. So this is how I procrastinate. I will. And like you said, my books are meaty and I love my research. Like I mentioned earlier that I did the FBI Citizens Academy, Mm -hmm. which means I took classes I've been to the gun range. I've been to the morgue. I've viewed autopsies. I've gone to Quantico to tour the FBI Academy. I've done ride-alongs with local law enforcement. I love doing that stuff. So that's kind of my procrastination. Mm. <laughs> and that's still work, I think. Yeah. It does work, but it's yeah. not writing, you know? Right, and so right. then I have to, um, I had a, like, for example, in The Wrong Victim, which I think you said, AJ, you were reading, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I did a lot of research about bombs. Mm -hmm. like days of research. And I ended up talking to a friend of mine who's retired ATF and he gave me something better, but my book was already pretty much done. So I Mm. couldn't change it. So I said, no, we it has to be C4. I have to do it. I don't want to rewrite every single scene that references the bomb making material. So I, um, he said, that's fine. I said, but you gave me so much good stuff. I have to have a bomb in another book. (laughs) (laughs) so that's how i get kind of sidetracked and i like have all this great stuff um yeah so (laughs) but i do love my research yeah so then after max i i did end up selling the quinn and costa series which starts with the third to die has the third to die tell no lies and the wrong victim um and then the fourth book is done um it's with my editor now so i'll be doing revisions as soon as i get that back it doesn't have a title but I guess I'll just throw it out there even though nobody else knows this so this will be the first time anybody's <sighs> heard the title exclusive um, oh. it may change because okay. it until it's actually in writing and everybody in marketing and sales signs off it could change but right now they're calling it seven girls gone okay okay and so it's set in the bayou and it's very very loosely 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 um Uh, modeled after the Jeff Davis eight, which was a, is a famous unsolved serial murder case. Mm. So I, of course, I just kind of took the idea, the, mostly the location and the victims, um, kind of, but I resolved everything, and I have no idea if this is what really happened to those poor <laughs> women. But if, um, so it, it's it's a little darker. I, I know it's earlier Jen said that my book was scaring her, so it's a, it's a little bit darker, a little more suspense, a little more thriller esque uh, than from my Lucy Kincaid books, which are more. I wouldn't say they're light because they do have some dark themes,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: they're you know that Lucy and Sean are going to be fine at the end of the book. You just know it because that's kind of the story promise, right? They're not, it's like, and I think actually Nora Roberts does this amazingly well, you know, the story promise in her books, if she's writing romantic suspense, you know what the story promises is they're Mm -hmm. going to be happily ever after by the end in, in death series, you know, that there's going to be a mystery and even work, no matter what happens in the book and how angry they get with each other, they're going to resolve it by the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And so those are kind of the story promises that mm-hmm. I think authors have with their readers. Whereas, you know, when you're dealing with someone like Lisa Gardner, you might not know who's going to survive the end of the book, right. other than maybe the title character. Um, <laughs> right. And so I think that it's important for readers that, that you provide that kind of thing. Like in my books, anybody except obviously Quinn and Costa, because in my Quinn and Costa series, they're the title characters anybody something might happen i don't want to ever get people that they're lazy and thinking oh everybody's fine i'm right. not going to say that <laughs> other than Kara and matt car and matt will be, okay. you know because it's their
0: books right so um so it's my understanding that lucy kincaid was actually started out as a as a kind of a minor character in an earlier book so what was it about her that you thought, you know, she deserves her own book? What what did you see in that character that you felt you could expand on and now 17 books later?
2: Well, so in,
1: I did it, my second trilogy was my No Evil trilogy and it was Speak No Evil, See No Evil, Fear No Evil. And it was about the Kincaid family in San Diego and they Mm -hmm. were all in law enforcement. Um, They all changed their career paths when their nephew was murdered when he was seven. Lucy was also seven at the time. So Lucy was the youngest of seven and her oldest sister um, had was Justin's mother. Um, so I fast forwarded 10 years from when that death happened and everybody had changed. One brother became um, a forensic psychiatrist. Uh, another, two siblings became cops. Uh, another one was a cop, but then he became a private investigator. So I had them all do different things. Lucy was like, 10 years younger than everybody else. She was happy. She was a little bit sheltered, a little spoiled. You know, she's in this big Irish Cuban family. And in the third book, Fear No Evil, on her high school graduation, she was kidnapped. And so her family's all there waiting to see her graduate and she isn't there. So um, it turns out that she had met somebody online. I wrote this book when my oldest daughter was 14. And just getting on social media. And that's when MySpace existed. So I was really looking into what could happen and all the risks and all that kind of stuff. By the way, this daughter of mine is now a cop. So um, she oh. definitely took all my advice <laughs> to heart about social like, media. Here's
0: what will happen to you. I
1: Not to digress, but there was an episode in CSI where Catherine, um, her daughter was sneaking out of the house, dressing up inappropriately for her age um being out all hours of the night in compromising positions and Catherine took her to the morgue to show her a dead teenager
3: Yep. I remember that I remember that episode. I loved it yeah.
1: I said it that is good. exactly if I was in that position that's what I would do if my daughter was behaving that way yeah. and then the ME said how dare you bring her here this is not for her I said I was totally with
2: Catherine yeah. all that time yeah. and I didn't
1: always agree with her I did not always agree with her. And I only watched that show for like the first five or six seasons. But that time she was right. So I was very blunt with Katie. I sent her articles of girls who met guys online and then, you know, barely got away and all that kind of stuff. So um, I uh, kind of was obsessed with it when I wrote that book. So I said, well, what if Lucy, who did everything right, She thought she knew who he was. She researched him. She met him in a public place. But what if she didn't know what he looked like? What if he sent her a fake picture? Mm -hmm. You know, she thought she was meeting a college freshman at Georgetown, which is where she was going to be going in the fall. So she thought he was a year older than her. There was a photo that was a real person who used a real name that she could like say, oh, this is a real person because he was a computer guy and he was able to Create this fake personic and then she didn't know what he looked like. So he was able to kidnap her, but he knew what she looked like before right. she ever got into the Starbucks. Right. So now the whole family goes and hunts her down. So what? I, the reason I was so enthralled with her is she was raped live on the internet, and even though she had her entire life kind of destroyed on her high school graduation, where her she. She knew her family knew what happened to her. She knew that, you know, she didn't want to talk about it because, you know, here's her older brother who uh, ends up finding her. Um, But at the very, very, very end of the book, and I I guess this is going to be a spoiler, but it is an old book. um, She takes matters into her own hands and kills her rapist. And it was a very powerful moment for me as a writer to be able to do that in a book and get, and basically get away with it. Cause she got away with it. He was unarmed when she shot him. Um, so I just was enthralled with her. I said, she obviously is a lot stronger than I thought she was. And mm. I wanted to explore that. So I decided to, that book was published in 2007. And then the first Lucy book was in 2011. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to double her age, I'm going to basically make twice as much time pass. Mm. So in the first book, she's 24, about to turn 25. And so I just basically aged her, but I didn't age anybody else in her family. I, they aged in real time, so that Mm. I could keep them 10 years apart, as opposed to they would have been much older and then Jack would not have been able to do a lot of the things he, he's able to do. I wrote a okay. scene once with Jack. Um he was he's basically a mercenary. Uh and I realized and he was like talking about how old he was getting he couldn't do this stuff anymore.
0: <laughs> well I mean we all face that I think. I know. <laughs> so I I don't know about you know you and and Tara Jen uh so I'm seeing a lot of parallels uh between Lucy yeah. and Sean and, uh, even Rourke, mm-hmm. which so I'm sure like, it's not intentional, but, but it's interesting. Yeah. You know, um, I think that,
4: I think that there's a really, there's a, there's a really big draw as, as women, I think to, to look at stories from that kind of perspective, with like the strong female, like driven character, but not, a boring male counterpart, you know, just like even more, just like, you know, and I think that that's, that's kind of the parallel to me. I don't think that it's much more than that. Cause it sounds like these are way more suspenseful, which is mm-hmm. my jam. Cause I love Lisa Gardner. <laughs> I, I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, getting into, into your series as well. But, I was, I was just loving hearing, you know, you give your, like, it's, it's really cool that you're telling us what happens in these stories because you're also <laughs> the one that created them. If I tried to be like, this is what happens in the story, I would be all over the place, <laughs>
1: you know? <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, well, I, no, I think you're right. I, I think as a reader. I like to explore these relationships and I like women who are strong women that aren't necessarily simply physically strong. And I kind of use my daughter as a model. So my oldest daughter was in CrossFit. So she is physically strong. Um, She was a CrossFit competitor for years um, and she's now a cop and she works out still. And she, she is physically strong. I mean, and she's little, she's only five, four, um, but she is
0: by four. I mean,
1: yeah, she's yeah. she's it's... five four. She competed in CrossFit. She actually went to the regionals um at one point. She was right. ranked the 47th fittest woman in Arizona. Wow. One oh. year when she was competing. Right. So, you know, I you take that someone who absolutely realistically can be physically strong, but it's not necessarily where they're gonna be just kick-ass all the time. You know, they you want them to also be, have a core strength. And yeah. I think this is why I love the In Death series. Eve Dallas is epitomizes what it means to be both strong physically, um, and what, which comes from being well-trained. She's mm-hmm. a well-trained cop, and that's what enables her to be able to take people down and to read situations. So that's one, one aspect of it. But she has also overcome so much in her life to make her strong Um emotionally strong so and you're right she could never have had anybody less than Rourke because they might be able to match her on one end on like physical strength or or being able to kick butt but maybe not on the other end so someone like Rourke who you know king of the world the richest man in the world of course who would love him Sean is not the richest (laughs) man in the world (laughs) but you know it they're just the perfect match and I think um I didn't use them as a model, but I think in terms of a storytelling and what readers gravitate towards that part of the genre is really important. And so Uh I, the Sean and Lucy series, I guess maybe subconsciously I wanted that same thing. I want Lucy's the cop. She's the one solving the crimes. Sean helps because he is a private investigator, but he can do things that she can't do. Right. And which I like. So I'm, uh, when I developed series like my Maxine Revere series, which I absolutely loved. And I have a lot of fans of the series. I mean, it didn't like sales were not awful. Um, it just wasn't as strong as the Lucy series, but Max is a very strong woman, but she's a reporter. So she's not a cop. Mm. Um, she is strong in a different way. She's extremely intelligent. She's very wealthy, independently wealthy. She comes from a very wealthy family. Um, she does what she wants. She says what she wants, which to me, was a lot of fun because I don't always say what I want to say. Um, Max can't, and to me, that's another sign of strength. You know, right. she basically doesn't care what people think about her, and I think most women um, do care what others think, and so they're going to fight their tongue, not say exactly what they want to say because they don't want to offend somebody, they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, they. Don't want to be considered cold or cruel. But Max doesn't like that. She doesn't care. She's going to say what she wants. And if people don't like the truth, that's their problem, not hers. And right. that's her entire attitude.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I had a lot of fun writing that. And then again, that's another aspect of a strong character.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. So that's, you know, the kind of characters that you're attracted to reading. And so that's also you know, who you want to write about, which makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And I, so my, when I was, before I started seriously writing, cause I've always wanted to be a writer, but I, you know, had kids, got, you know, well, I got married and then I had kids. I kind of, I did the marriage first barely, but I did. Cause <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was married in 93 and my oldest was born in 94. So, <laughs> but um, I, you know, when you have kids and you're working full time, I worked in the California legislature, you just don't have time for everything. So I had to make the time for writing, but I also had to make time to read. The other um, book I really loved at that time was The Search by Iris Johansson. I don't know if anybody Mm. read that Mm -hmm. one. It was about a search and rescue dog and his handler who was um, a woman. And then it was Eve's ex-husband. I think his name was John, John Logan. I can't remember now. I read a long time ago. But that was another book that I really loved because it had slightly darker themes. But by the end of the book, you knew these characters were going to be together. And I guess, I, you know, I'm still a sucker for romantic suspense. And I still, I still yeah. love it. Even if I'm not writing it per se, I still love that happily ever after, even if a lot
2: of bad stuff yeah. happens in between.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But OK, so now that you talk about happily ever after, for your characters... Um, because you know, even even Rourke fans, there's two different camps. Even Rourke (laughs) should have a baby, even Rourke should not have a baby, right? Mm -hmm. So for your characters, do you see do you see that with your fans? Like, do you have fans that are like, okay, when are they gonna have a baby? Or are they okay, the majority of your fans with you know Lucy and Sean just not? Not having a baby and just being who they are
1: I think I do get a few, but Lucy can't have kids uh, so okay I, I established that immediately um, what, when she was eighteen and when she was raped she was severely injured and mm. she has no uterus so she physically cannot have children uh, um, okay and that's okay. actually a theme that I explored later because she never she said once something to the effect of you don't know what that you grieve something until you can't have it
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so she never you know really thought about it and then when she realized when she fell in love with sean and realized she couldn't have kids it didn't bother her until she wanted them Mm -hmm. so um sean actually has a son from a previous relationship that he didn't know about until book 11 (laughs) which was really fun so he's jesse's 13 i think he's No, he's 14 now. So yeah, he turned 14 in this series. And um, so I I do get people and I have said that Sean and Lucy, when they're ready, they will adopt. And I'm big on adoption. I have a lot of adopted friends. So I figure that is um, something they would do. I don't know when or if I'm going to do it in the book. I agree. I know Nora Roberts has said when Eve is pregnant, that signals the end of the series. Mm -hmm. So I don't want it to happen because of that. That's just, that's my selfish reason. I just okay. want her to keep writing the books. I don't okay. want it to signal the end of the series. That would make
0: me very sad. So you're in that no, no baby camp for them.
1: But yeah, well, yeah. literally yeah. only, what, two and a half years have passed from book one to yeah. the book 52 now, whatever it is.
4: Yeah. How refreshing um, that someone knows the timeline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have read all of the books. I'm looking at them. I have three shelves of them i some of them are paperback the rest when they start coming out in hardcovers when i started buying the hardcover um i just it's one of the things that when you have that short of a timeline and i kind of did the same thing with sean and lucy they don't Mm -hmm. their timeline is shorter than real world timeline i think three years has passed in their world but the books have now been published for 10 years, over 10 years, uh, 11 now. So I think that's in important. And the same thing with um, Matt and Kara. Now, no one has ever asked me if they're going to get married or have a kid. They do are interested in their relationship though, because mm-hmm. it's going to be a slower burn than Sean and Lucy. Um, okay. It just because of the genre. It's, um, I do have some readers that get mad that they had sex, but it's, <laughs> part of their characters but, i mean it's especially okay. kara kara could care less sex is not important to her it's a release um whereas matt is more traditional and doesn't like this whole friends with benefits thing right um, so i think it's fun to be able to explore a different kind of relationship within a series that isn't really focused on their relationship
0: right we had a podcast one time we were talking. I can't remember what we were talking about, but um, there's a, a separate podcast that I listen to called Fated Mates. And one of the hosts of that is Sarah McLean. I don't know if you know any of her books. I know uh, of her. Okay. So she writes historicals and um, they were doing a show on anti-heroes. And I can't remember the exact quote, but um, one thing they were talking about was how the HEA looks different for a book that has an antihero in it. Um, and it's mostly about, instead of being about the happily ever after with the kids in the house and the traditional, you know, it's mostly about, um, we're better together. Their ending is them realizing that they're both better together. Do you find that that's the case, you know, with your characters?
1: Um, absolutely. I, I think it's an important theme, especially when you're dealing with crime, um, like really dark crimes that, you know, some people aren't going to just be able to have that happily ever after and walk away from it, you know? Right. And I think um, Matt is, just, is an FBI agent, he's a little bit by the book, you know, but he can bend the rules and, and stuff, but he's um, definitely a little bit more disciplined. Kara had a very interesting childhood. Her parents were con artists. Um, she was used in their cons. Um, They weren't violent, but they cheated people. They lied to them, Mm. manipulated them. They had her lying and manipulating as this cute little blonde girl. And at one point in her life, she was just tired of it. She was tired of being used. And so she started sabotaging them. Um, And that changed her relationship with her parents to where they dumped her with her grandmother. Mm. Um, And so what, I haven't explored this yet, but I've been in the back of my mind. It's like, why did she not become like that? Mm-hmm. You know, what mm-hmm. about her enabled her to say, "No, this is wrong. I'm not going to do this anymore." So I will probably have to explore that in my um, in a future book. There had to have been something that happened when she was a young teen that had her saying, "No, I'm not doing this anymore." So I haven't figured out what that is yet, and see, that's why I love writing and I don't plot. Right.
2: <laughs> um,
1: um, so I'm in good company because I know Nora Roberts doesn't plot either. So, um, yeah. And neither does Lee Child. So
0: yeah. or Stephen okay.
1: King. So yeah. I, um, yeah. So someday I'm going to figure out what that is, and right. then I'll write about it. Um, because it, it's not going to be something necessarily really, really dark or, you know she does investigate dark cases but I want to know why she is who she is. Why mm-hmm. is she so sided with justice and so um, cares so much about the underdog, but keeps everybody else at arm's length. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to get close to anybody else. So there is a, has to be a reason for that. And I'm going to figure it out. I just don't know when yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Cause you, that you said that, because we just read um, memory and death. So we're going through the series, a book at a time and reading them in order and we just read memory and death. And in that one, you know, that's when her Eve's uh, foster mother comes back and then it ends up in the end that, that the uh, foster mother's son married one of the, one of her other foster kids, but didn't know it. And that's who committed the crime. And so there was a little bit of a discussion about, you know, what was it that, made eve the way you know they grew up similarly obviously they both were put into the system they both had trudy lombard as a foster parent but eve went one way as far as going into you know the police department and working for justice like you said but um this character zaina went the completely opposite way and you know uh ended up murdering the uh, foster mother So it's Um, just an interesting question of, yeah, yeah, why, why, why did that happen with Eve? Why did she not go that way? You know, why did she ultimately choose justice over the other, you know?
1: It's a, it's a timeless question. It's the same kind of question as um, abused children. How can some abused children grow up and be relatively normal and nonviolent and others go and become and become abusers? I mean, it, and it, you. It, I think it's a question that we can't really answer, which is why we like to explore it in books. Um, right. Or, And I think it, it's a very timeless question. How can, you know, some kids that grow up in single family homes be, you know, grow up and lead normal lives and have a job and don't go on welfare and, you know, and other people in single family homes, they can't get out of that cycle. And right. they have You know they have a kid, and yeah, at a young age, and then their kids have kids, and you have grandmothers at the age of thirty. I mean, you, I think there's, it's what something we can't specifically answer, and so therefore we write about it and come up with answers that make sense for us.
2: Right.
1: Um, And I think like exactly with Eve, you always wonder how can somebody who is so grossly abused as a young kid grow up to basically seek justice for other people who are abused because murder is obviously a the ultimate form of abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think she's just I think she is always solving her own case in a way that she's always seen a bit of herself in every single victim she helps. That's kind of how I view it, because it drives her. Mm -hmm. And no one was there for her. But she is going to be there for others. And it's kind of, you know, cleans the slate. And so it's constantly giving her that validation that what she's doing is
2: right and just yeah.
1: And, and I do think, I think it is an important question. I mean, I don't overthink my books um, because I think when we write, if you get preachy, I, it really irritates me sometimes when authors get too preachy in their books and try to like convince me of something.
0: But guaranteed your readers overthink your books. (laughs) Maybe they (laughs) do. Um, I, uh,
1: (laughs) I don't overthink them when I'm writing them but I do write about themes that I care about. Right. So I think in that regard, um, people probably would know what I care about simply by what I choose to write about. Yeah, And I so I do write right. a lot about, obviously, murders and stuff, um, yeah. but a lot about justice, a lot about what toll that takes on survivors. I right. do a lot right. of exploring yeah. about the survivors. And, you know, that's ultimately... What I, you know, the people that lose somebody, and yeah, the person is dead. And obviously, I care about that, but I really care exploring the emotions of the people that are left. Right. And it kind of it hit home to me in the third book I wrote called The Kill, which was actually my first book nominated um, for a Rita for Best Romantic Suspense. Mm. It did win, but um, the thing with The Kill, I have a hard time writing about the murders of children probably because I'm a mom and I have Mm -hmm. kids, especially when I was writing that book. Um, So I never killed anybody on page, but the book was about the murder of a child. Mm -hmm. And what I did instead, and I still, i recently reread that book. Well, not recently, maybe like four years ago, I was rereading some of my older books. And I still cried at the scene that I cried that I wrote which mm-hmm. was in the point of view of a six-year-old who lost her older sister.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, her my, um, her dad had told her that, you know, they lived in Washington, so the Mount St. Helens, and um, that, you know, God's up in heaven, right? So your sister is now up in heaven. So when you're a six-year-old, you're thinking, okay, you're up in heaven, up, sky. So the closer you can get to the sky, the closer you're going to be to God. I mean, mm-hmm. cause that's a six-year-old and I, I can imagine a normal six-year-old would think that. So she, her mother who's grieving the, her dead daughter, rightfully grieving her, has basically neglected her younger daughter just because she can't cope. She's a mother who lost a child. right? And so the younger daughters thinks that if she can just get closer to God, she could ask God to bring her sister back to make her mother happy again. So she runs away. She huh. basically gets on her bike and she's going towards Mount St. Helens. Well, of course, this is going to be yeah. really, really far from her. So um, the character uh, who actually her older sister had also been killed, and she's now uh, lab si- a scientist in a lab in the FBI lab um, figures it out because she was that little girl who was neglected, and so she sees it. In right. that little girl. So she's able to find her before anything bad happens to her. So I, those kinds of things I do like to explore, even though that scene made me cry. <laughs> and it still does. Cause <laughs> I just, I think it, I think it's cause I have, maybe because I have kids, I can't imagine what would happen. It's why I could never watch the killing. I don't know if anybody else watched it. The killing. It was, uh, so. it was originally a, like a UK BBC show and then they redid it in the U.S. and it started with the murder of a 17 year old, a senior, and I can handle that. I mean, I can handle anything, but you know, it started with that. The third episode was her funeral, and she had two little brothers, mm. and I had a 17 year old within two little boys. I couldn't watch it after that. Mm-hmm. I was crying yeah. as these little boys were being dressed to go to their sister's funeral. I couldn't handle it, so I stopped watching it. Apparently, yeah. it's a really, really, really good show. <laughs> But I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, oh, maybe we should talk about some of the other characters in this series. Um, I mean, because we talked about Eve and what made her go into the profession that she went into. But you know, if you look at Peabody, completely different background, and yet she kind of ended up in the same place as Eve. And she's a she's a strong woman as well, but in a completely different way. Well, what I think I like about peabody
1: the most is that she knows who she is you know she is very comfortable in her own skin she knows that i mean and she's also very authentic i mean we all you know think about we need to lose weight and we all think about you know if we just go up the slide of stairs that's going to make up for what the candy we ate at the bottom you know it's like i love the way that but but she is who she is i mean she um she's a new ager she's very confident in what she believes and she sees people differently than Eve sees them, which makes them a good compliment. So she, she's going to, Eve is very black and white in how she views everything. Um, I think Peabody can sense, you know, maybe it's the emotions, maybe it's because of how she was raised with, you know, I recently just listened and I cannot remember the title, the book that her parents came in and stayed at at Rourke's house.
2: Oh
1: which one was it yeah yeah so I um I just listened to that because I'd read it you know ages ago but it was then discounted on chirp so I bought it and I said okay this is my morning walk um (laughs) right and I just because I read them all in order the first time now I'm just kind of whenever they're discounted I'll go and buy the audiobook and listen to the audiobook so um Um, because I I bought before you go on
0: like isn't Susan Erickson great
1: oh my god she's amazing (laughs) i love her she's nailed every voice i mean the way she portrays eve because mind you i read all the books before i started listening to the audios it's the same voice it's the way i hear eve in my head yeah and i'm like going how does she do that yeah i i don't know how she does that um yeah she's amazing sorry so but anyway so meeting peabody's parents and how she was raised helps helps me understand why she is the way she is. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm don't know now. I maybe it's just because I forgot because I haven't read the whole series over again why she ultimately became a cop in the first place. But other than the fact that she wants to help people, she's always she's a helper type. Yeah. But I don't know if they ever said why she no. did it in the first place. No, it never never makes it clear. Okay. So I, I didn't misremember anything. Nope. You um, didn't.
2: <laughs> but I
1: did. I did remember from listening to it about how her parents said, you know, you were meant to do this. Yeah. You clearly you were meant to do yeah. this. So she kind of got the that praise or the you know the clap on the back from her parents that she I think she needed. So she's a but she's definitely in a different way. She's very smart. She's very intuitive, Um, and Eve is intuitive, but she's intuitive more from a street smart perspective. Right. Whereas I think Peabody is intuitive more from a an emotional perspective. She can kind of pick up on people's emotions and how they communicate and how they're feeling. Um, Maybe because of her parents, but you know it's just part of her personality.
0: Yeah. And they're both compassionate. I and but it's interesting they're compassionate in completely different ways.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, Peabody will coddle people. And that's why Eve says, okay, you go and you be the good good cop and you call and you understand them and you be specific. Eve um can be compassionate, but she can't coddle anybody.
0: Right. I don't think
1: she would really know no. how to do it, even if she wanted to.
0: Yeah. You know? And we, de- we talked also about um, when we did the episode uh, Survivor in Death, and that was the one where the little girl's family gets killed. Yeah, how I love that it, How interesting it was that um, at a certain point when, when the girl, Nixie, uh, had a nightmare and even work both ran into the room, how interesting it was that they both took the opposite of what the traditional roles of the parents mm-hmm. would be. You know, traditional role, of the parent would be the mother goes in and picks up the child and comforts and that kind of thing. But Rourke did that. And and traditionally, you know, the dad would go like, well, I'll look in the closet and make sure there's no boogeyman in there. And that's what Eve did. That's what Eve, you know, instinctively thought, you know, OK, this is something I can do. You know, well, I can't do that, she- but I can do this.
1: Well, and I think it's because she was never nurtured growing up right and so she doesn't it doesn't come natural to her and whereas maybe Rourke wasn't nurtured he has that nurturing personality where he wants a protective personality where he wants to protect people and I think that um I can totally see, yeah that was that was actually one of my favorite of all the books I did a uh article for criminal um, element about my top five favorite right in death books yeah that was really hard that is yeah. really, really hard to do.
0: Yeah. Um, so you should know that our um our listener who we mentioned before, her name's Dana, by the way, okay. um, Ooh. that told us about you. And I said, Hey, you know, since we're unfamiliar, can you maybe um give us some well actually asked her, do you have questions? If you have questions, send it to me and I'll ask, answer, ask you the questions. She sent me like a full on dossier, like, you know, your background and everything. like yeah, It was fantastic. So That's how Dana is. Um, <laughs> but she did uh, send us a link to that article um, mm-hmm. and you picked your top five, which are what?
1: Well, I don't remember now because I wrote that like two years ago. <laughs> it's probably I here. It was Naked and um, Death. I, was say, it's I the just first read, one. When I read it the other day. Yeah. I know Naked and Death was on it. Yeah. Apprentice. I know. Pardon me? Apprentice you put and Death? on there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to remind me which ones those were. The one New York to Dallas, uh-huh. I think, is on there. Uh-huh. Um, the one where Rourke's ex girlfriend comes yeah, back.
0: Innocent. Yeah.
1: Is that Innocent Death? case? Yep. I can't remember the titles. Um, and I, there's a very specific, I think that was one of the most masterfully written of all of them in terms of their relationship yeah. where you agree with both of them and then you're yeah. mad at both of them. <laughs> yes. I mean, because usually when they're, when they're disagreeing on something and they don't do it in every book, but when you have a fundamentally disagreement and you can completely sympathize with both mm-hmm. of them and go, my God, they're both right. But they're both wrong, and you yeah. don't know. And you're like going, "How do you fix this?" Oh, that I love that book. I love yeah. that. That was masterfully. Wanted
3: their heads together the entire book, like. <laughs> <serious>. <laughs> but,
1: but you Just understood. No, I you understood it. how they could react in those ways because their characters—it was pitch perfect in terms of their character. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And it Yeah. Uh, so what was the fifth one that I put down on there? Obsession. I don't remember.
2: Obsession.
1: obsession obsession okay now which one was that <laughs>
3: that was the 50th book that was the one with the um she was crime a lab yes the crime, oh, yeah. Lab. Yeah, the crime, crime lab, lab was one. okay yeah she um or sweeper it wasn't she a sweeper i want to yeah. say yeah was she a sweeper it was a sweeper i think okay yeah and she but yeah, she, she came was. into
1: every crime scene yeah that was right. that was really good i like that yeah yeah that was a good one Maybe because I love it when you have somebody that is technically smart that's trying to get away with uh, yeah. a crime.
4: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what we were always saying. We're always like, these are more fun. You know? Yeah, they are more fun when the criminal is smart
3: because there's been times that we're like, this person is an idiot. Why like, <laughs> right. always not catching this person. Like, <laughs> seriously.
1: Yeah. And honestly, the, I mean, I love the series and she writes very, very few duds. There's probably only been maybe two or three that I'm like, eh, this this wasn't great. Um, But most of them, I really, really enjoy. I have not read the latest one, the one that just came out. I started it, but then I had a deadline and Mm. I I can't read. I read like nonfiction when I'm on deadline or listen. I mean, I do listen to the audiobooks. But that's yeah. because I, I walk every morning and I have to listen to something. Otherwise I won't walk my five thousand steps. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unless I'm listening to something. So actually I'm listening to Portrait in Death right now.
0: Okay. That's um, a great one too. That's a good one too.
1: Yep. It, I know. I and I didn't realize okay. when I started listening to it which one it was because I read it and now it's coming back to me. Um, and I was like, I just have feeling for work in this one. <laughs> I
0: just have oh, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, the, that's the, another one where you want you like you just just talk to each other. What is wrong yeah. with you?
4: Just <laughs> communication. <laughs> yeah, but you can
2: understand. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. You, I can understand. I can understand this one a lot better than the innocent and death one. Even though I understood it because it was it was so in character. It was right. like their worst of their characters. It was mm-hmm. like their or right. their personality, I should say, mm-hmm. that came out. But that's what made it so authentic. And yeah. that's. Um, Actually, I do. I will say, okay. now that I'm thinking about this, I do look to the in-depth series and how um, Nora Roberts does conflict when Mm. I look at Lucy and Sean's conflict, because you can't have a conflict between the two main characters in every single book. Right. The roller coaster. It would be absolutely. um, Just unrealistic and you're the only thing you would think of is why are these two people still why together, if still all together I do
2: right, right yeah
1: so to right. make it authentic and to make it real it's probably roughly every five books where they have an interpersonal conflict whereas the other books they get along fine and they complement each other perfectly right. and then there's going to be something that happens and it has to be in character where they're going to butt heads and um I think that Nora does it amazingly well because if it was every book, I probably wouldn't still read the series. It would yeah. be like, yeah. oh, cause it's just said, so, okay, it's fun, but it's just such an emotional roller coaster, Right. Um, and so I did take that as a life lesson for my own writing and saying, okay, if I'm going to have a long running series in Sean and Lucy, mm-hmm. they cannot have a major conflict in every book.
2: Yeah. So I yeah.
1: think they really, um, they have like little conflicts, which are, I think over the, Normal course of, um, you know, just life. Oh yeah. But their real big conflict was in the eleventh book when Sean found out he had a son and didn't tell Lucy right away. Mm. um And that was an emotional roller coaster for both of them. Uh. So that was when I kind of said, okay, I'm going to go all out with this. I'm going to do everything I possibly can because they are already engaged. And are they even going to get married? And right. I didn't know until the last chapter if they were going to postpone the wedding because that's how emotionally draining it was for them, both of them. So, but I think she does it better than anybody in having those ebbs and flows over the course of the series.
0: Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like you said, there's, there's hardly any clunkers in there, you know, among no. the series.
1: Okay. Honestly, the only one that I think is, I probably shouldn't say this. I don't want anybody to get mad at me. And they're saying, no, that was her best book that she's ever written. Yeah,
2: definitely happen, <laughs> I, I think but... the
1: only big clunker that I just, because I immediately knew from chapter one, exactly what was going to happen was Strangers in Death. And it's because of the title. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know what? Yes, that is one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. And I know exactly what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. so it just wasn't exciting at all. And I saw, so I'm no okay. to reread that one. And I'm I'm looking over at my shelf, trying to see what was some other really really good ones. Um, yeah, Survivor was one of my favorites. Um, what are some of the other ones?
0: Uh, what about I Treachery? Even, uh, treachery was um, which she, one was that? That was the one where she um, went after the uh, the other police lieutenant, the police lieutenant that was in. What was she in?
1: Illegals.
0: Illegals.
2: Illegals.
0: Really oh, Arberman? I vaguely
1: remembered that one. That was a while oh. ago.
2: Okay. Yeah,
1: it was a while ago.
3: But that's I think that's on our list. Oh, well, that's on I, your
0: Definitely. So the first I'm book sure. that you read was Conspiracy, correct?
1: Yep. And that was like book seven or eight. Right. It was some Yeah, it was seven or eight. And then I read, I read Conspiracy and Death, and I read everything that came out after that in order. And then I went back and read the earlier Naked and Death. And I think I'm still missing one or two of the earlier books, but now I got to go treachery and death and I'm going to have to go download that on audio
2: <laughs> because it, it, uh, it, it,
1: if you guys said, cause I don't remember, I vaguely remember it, but it's not at the top of my memory. Like
0: some of them.
3: Okay. Yeah, no, that's very much one of our
0: favorites around here. And so we've, we've discussed <laughs> yeah, it. for whatever reason, treachery is one of my like comfort listens. I don't know why. And, and, you know, we always talk about like, what are our favorite books? And treachery is one of those that I always listen to. I can't articulate to you why. And that's so weird for me because I can usually say, well, it's because of this or this for treachery. I, I don't know, but it's just such a great book. I'm not sure why it's in and, and it uh, yeah. because it involves Peabody. Yeah. Um, yep. Peabody very much in the has to step up and, <laughs> and be that strong woman in that book. Um, maybe that's it. I'm not really sure why. The number of times they say fuck? I don't know. The number of times
3: they they say fuck is a lot in that book.
0: Dana (laughs) told us that (laughs) that was the book that they said. Yeah, the most amount of fuck. She wouldn't count it every single time that (laughs) I, and she did a spreadsheet. This is why we love Dana. This is why Um, we love Dana. Anyway, you know, what
4: what I think um, the appeal of of treachery um, is to a lot of people is that you're so invested in everyone already like there's there's no outliers that you don't have a you don't have a victim that you need at the beginning of the book that you're like I mean you do because they have the, the case at the beginning you have a victim that you're like oh I have to learn all about them while Eve learns about them and while she pursues you know their murderer like our focus is not about that it's about all these characters that we love and care about right and so the the investment we already have in the story before it starts I think is really what kept me like glued to it the second I picked it up,
1: you know? Yeah. Well I, I will th- definitely I will definitely get that after I'm done
4: with portrait. Um,
1: okay. what mm-hmm. was the one now maybe this is that one. What, the one where the kids were living in a house and it was a, there was a, a girl it was like in the slums and everybody oh gosh Ugh. I cannot remember. Concealed?
3: Which one? Concealed in death is that the one with
1: where maybe. they find the they found the bodies in the walls. No, I don't think there was that one. Okay. I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go through and listen. <laughs> Once I collect my audio book, <laughs> my audio library, then I can listen to them all again. Now I, I only right. have like five of them on audio. Um, because again, I have to, oh, yeah. you know, books get to be expensive and I buy them all in hardcover because yeah. I want all my books to look pretty right. on my <laughs> shelf. So um, I get all the books in hardcover and they look really, really, really good. But now that I have to do the audios because of just time, rereading a series takes a lot of time. And Mm -hmm. I have to write my own books. Now, once all my kids are gone, I'm not an empty nester yet, but someday. Someday. And then I can like, (laughs) then I can like do a little bit more reading. (laughs) But no, I'm going to, I think over time, I think probably within the next two years, I could collect all of them on audio because it seems that one goes on sale every couple of weeks. And so I get an alert <laughs> oh, yeah, and okay, yeah. now I'm going to get that one. Now I'm going to
0: oh, get yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so since we've talked about Dana quite a bit, <laughs> <laughs> um, she has a, she, she did put together a list of questions and okay. um, let's, let's talk about those. So her questions are, um you voted in death um, was on your, it wasn't on your list of top, Books, but it, you did an honorable mentions. You know, <laughs> probably because I couldn't make up my mind, right? <laughs> um, and uh, she said many readers, many readers find the brutality of the torture described difficult to get through. Mm-hmm. What about that book stands out for you?
1: Okay, now I got to remember which book that is. I got to go and look on my bookshelf. See if I look at the cover, then this I'm going to remember. Devoted there is the is.
0: one with the. Um, is that the one true friend oh yeah one? is that is that devoted yeah. or is that is it i just got it um, is that, no is it? i thought it was no no that's oh, the what? one with the, that's oh,
2: yes.
1: with the that's oh. obsession
0: Oh, that's that's just yeah, okay. like with the
1: Bonnie and Clyde character. Yes. 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 Right. Okay. yes, 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 it was it was very violent and very gory and maybe that's why I liked it. I don't know. And,
2: <laughs> I just had to read the that inside
1: to remember it and as soon as this Ella Lou and her boyfriend Daryl and I'm like, oh, yes. that's right. Oh, okay. They traveled across country and killed people and then they end up in New York and that was great. Yes, I like I can't help it. I guess I kind of like violent books because um, I, I do write a little bit on the darker side. And I think sometimes when the crime is so violent and so heinous, the satisfaction at the end is that much better. And I guess maybe that's why I liked it. I also liked it because it was, even though it took a common theme, like I always call it the Bonnie and Clyde theme, Mm -hmm. you know, even though it took a common theme, she twisted it to make it original Mm. and to make it her own. And I like that. I like taking those, um, things that are familiar to us and then making them better in, in some ways better. So yeah, that was, that was definitely good. And no, I don't get grossed out by a lot of stuff. I don't, for example, in some of my books, I do write a lot, a lot about serial killers. There may be dead animals, but I don't show animals being killed. Mm-hmm. There may be dead kids in the book, but I don't show the kids being killed. And it's, if you see a kid in jeopardy in one of my books, they're gonna survive.
2: Mm, if okay. they're
1: already dead, you know they're dead. Not on the page, and they're already gone. You know, right. I can do that. So I think um, the gory stuff doesn't really bother me. Okay, and uh, so
4: that's fair. <laughs> it doesn't really bother me either. Yeah, yeah. they're a little less uh, into that. Um,
3: yeah, well, I can understand. I it's not, I mean, like I said, I'm a sissy as far as like scary, but, um, you know, I'm not into the torture descriptions. I think yeah, that's, that's, that's more, where it
0: crosses the line for that's me. That's where
3: it crosses the line <laughs> for me. Um, I don't mind gory. I mean, I'm, my God, I'm in medicine. I, I don't <laughs> mind gory. So that's not, um, you know, that's not a thing. It's just, I don't know. It's the torture. I think it's more, it's okay, more. Okay. Don't
2: read
1: sudden death then. Sudden Death is Jack Kincaid's book, and it's (laughs) it's one of my favorite that I wrote. So it's a one of my romantic suspense titles, but there is torture in that book.
3: Okay, yeah, it's It's just uh, I think it's the psychological mm -hmm. aspect of it. I don't know.
1: I just yeah, it's mm. but I don't really show the torture that much, except maybe in the prologue. But you do see the aftermath of it.
0: Yeah, I was. It's interesting because um, we were just so I have a daughter and she's um. She's in her thirties. She's in her thirties now. I'm sorry. That's from the- <laughs> I know. My 28, oh, okay. so and I feel like, <laughs> oh my god, how did
1: I get a yeah. ah. Oh my
0: god.
3: Um, she- cannot be in her thirties. She's still.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Female, right? I know, right? I know. And she just recently saw the Saw movies, and she's not into yeah. horror. And um, so we were talking about it, and I told her that I I can't do Saw. I did the first one. I can't do it. And um we were talking she, cause she was like, Well, yeah, but you watch like Walking Dead and you watch other gory things. <laughs> and I was like, and I for me, I feel like the difference is in Saw, I could see that happening in real life. In Walking <laughs> Dead, it's like there's not zombies. So zombies it doesn't matter if somebody happen, cuts right. a zombie head off, who cares? Like, you know. So it's same with supernatural. Sometimes there was gory stuff in there, but you know, I mean, who cares? It doesn't matter. But saw it's like, yeah, if I, if I feel like it's something that could actually happen in real life then I'm like, ugh, you know, that's yeah. where it crosses the line.
1: See, we, we should, we should be best friends. Cause I love the walking dead <laughs> and I love supernatural. I <laughs> I know. I know.
2: <laughs> <become best> <laughs> well, I think the reason why yeah,
1: um, the reason why Walking Dead works so much is the characters I mean yes. it's all about the characters it's yeah. about the survivors and you it's about the worlds and it's about society and, and human nature and I yes. um, it's funny because uh, <laughs> I watched that with my boys and we loved it um my husband never wanted to watch it. it's about zombies i don't like zombies yeah and then finally my oldest son convinced my husband to watch it with us and so i just recently re-watched the entire first 10 seasons mm-hmm. and we haven't started on season 11 yet because we've so just been easy. busy um, but we watched the entire first 10 seasons and my husband ended up loving it. He goes, okay, you were right. I was like, why? You didn't listen to me. I knew he would like it because of people like the governor, which yes. you know, we worked We worked in the legislature together in the California yeah. State Legislature. We know people like that. Yeah. And all the interpersonal things. Um, but he you know, he had to wait until my son. And the same thing with Breaking Bad. I told him to watch Breaking Bad. And it was finally Luke that said, oh, you know, you need to watch Breaking Bad. It's really good. You're going to like it. Yeah. And then- my husband became obsessed with it. <laughs> so, and Better Call Saul, Always, so, which we right. like.
3: Yeah. boys are dumb.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, no, he only listens,
2: I this guess he only listens. Correct.
1: WandaVision. There's another one. So we're going to go see the multi, one. Uh, WandaVision's a Marvel oh, Universe. Oh, sorry. But um, well, you know, so, come on, Jen. <laughs> I know. You know. My boys and I love Marvel. And, and well, on DC too. I think we're yeah. more DC than Marvel. But, um, so... We're going to go see the multiverse movie tomorrow with Doctor Strange. Oh, I'm seeing it tonight. And, and yeah, so we're we're going tomorrow. I already got the tickets. So my son Luke says you get down to watch WandaVision. It has to watch WandaVision before we see you see Doctor Strange. So I got I got Dan watching that now streaming, it <laughs> so that he can yeah, it. you have
3: to watch WandaVision and Vision, and you you're supposed to, you need to watch the Marvel What If too.
1: Marvel What If? What that, was, I haven't Disney, seen that. It's on Disney Plus. Okay. Well, it's, um, I haven't seen that. Okay. Is it a movie or just a short thing?
3: No, it's a short. It's, a, they're, it's like they're short, like 20-minute maybe episodes and there's a bunch of them, but the Doctor Strange specifically, that episode is apparently plays into the movie,
1: so. Uh, I'll ask my son about that because he didn't tell me I had to watch it. Okay. <laughs> he said, oh, we didn't have to watch Loki to understand Doctor Strange because no. we watched Loki too, but. Yeah, well,
3: I mean, we've watched them all, but.
1: Yeah, but then... They're fun. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm all about the MCU.
1: Okay, so now we're talking about strong women again. Mm -hmm. Wanda. Mm. Talk about... She is fast becoming one of my favorite Marvel characters. She I mean, I did like her in the, you know, the two-parter titles. You know what I'm talking about. The two-parter with Thanos.
2: Um,
1: Yeah, Avengers. I liked her in that. Mm -hmm. But WandaVision, so good. she really shined. So and good. you could yep. feel her pain and what she was trying to do to keep her life together mm-hmm. and to keep everything the way she thought it should be. Yeah. And I just it was really powerful. And I think that yeah. even if you weren't a Marvel fan, it's still a good it's shot. a good watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: it's a good watch, even if you don't know anything about the
1: series honestly. anything about the universe yeah, um, yeah
3: but no it's i i i love it i mean i'm i'm a comic book fan from way back I, so i mean yeah you want to nerd out about that i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: okay. well it helps that all my kids are interested in different like my daughter mary loves everything spider-man um and batman So she's like really into the Spider-Man, Batman. And then my son is really into all of the Marvel stuff. Um, So everything related to Marvel. And um, so I get it kind of from both angles. And Mary doesn't love Marvel. She didn't love the Avengers as much as she liked. Well, of course it is Tom Holland, (laughs) the Spider-Man movies. So then we had to go watch the the Tobey Maguire movies. And now we have to watch the Andrew Garfield movies. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, yeah.
2: No, It's, fun. it's oh.
0: fun, yeah. Okay, let's let's see. Let's move on with Dana's questions. Um, so, getting back to In Death, what secondary character are you most eager to see how their story progresses? Hmm.
1: She's actually really um, done a good job of giving us some basic. I think what I wouldn't mind, and I don't know if this would ever happen. I know that she's done a little bit of it. There's two things. Because I like writing teenagers. I like to see what happens to them down the road. There was a couple of teenagers that have been introduced over this, over the series, like Nixie, then the, the other girl that now I cannot remember. Willa. Who, Willa. Is it? Maybe it is that is that is. What was that mm-hmm. book? What,
3: that was
2: concealed, wasn't concealed, it? Was that concealed? I think, yeah, yeah. Okay, then yeah. that is the
1: one I was thinking of with okay. Willa. You
2: mm-hmm, know, yeah. like,
1: so you have Nixie, you have Willa, you have the boy that the computer genius Jamie. that Rourke was helping. Um, so yeah, can, I'm awful with names, I told you. <laughs> oh, I can't even get my kids um I would love to see <laughs> maybe a story kind of focus on them. Maybe they can, you know, like in college, you know, Collegiate in well, Death, I see. or something like that, where they're all in college together, maybe, and something happens, and they kind of take the lead on it, and Eve um, and Mort War- come in and back them up.
0: You well, see, I don't want to spoil, but you haven't right. finished Abandoned in Death. I'm just going to say that, and that's that's the newest okay. one. You said you that's were the newest you, one. Yeah, finished, that's the one right. that
1: they find the body in. Uh-huh. I started reading it, but then I had to get into my books.
0: Also, yeah. I judged
1: the Edgar Awards, and that took a lot, a lot of time, yeah. reading time for me. Um,
0: uh, so I'm not going to spoil true. anything, but I'm just okay. going to say.
1: Okay, but that, that was one. And then the <laughs> other one is I just really love the relationship between Trueheart and Baxter.
0: Mm, and I wouldn't
2: yeah. mind,
1: you know, I kind of would mind learning a little bit more about, about them. But I think she she's done a really, really great job of giving us solid backstories Mm -hmm. of all of the characters i agree you know
2: know, i
1: don't think there's anybody like it i mean i love you know peabody and um uh, mcdab getting the house i mean she's building it up really well and i don't feel like we're missing too much
2: right i can't think of anything okay what about you guys
3: i i would agree with that yeah i would too
0: I mean, there's obviously, I think there's, there's secondary characters that we all would like to see more of. Yes. Yes. But you just can't, you just can't bring every secondary character. You you probably know this. You can't bring every single secondary character back in a book, you you know, in a series. You You probably know this better than us. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And no matter how much you want to. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of why I think I, I love being able to do Lucy is because I was able to bring, she was a secondary character in Fear No Evil. And I got to give her her own series. And that made me very happy.
0: Yeah, we like that. Um, So we already talked about uh, even Rourke having a baby. (laughs) Uh, What are your thoughts on the candy thief? The identity (laughs) of the candy thief. What is your... I am am
1: always... I am just dying to know who it is. Um, (laughs) I have a feeling it's probably somebody... Well, God, you know, every once in a while, like when I was listening to Portrait and Death, I was thinking or it was the book I listened to before. I was thinking it was had to be somebody in janitorial. But oh, then yeah. I'm thinking because they can get in and out and nobody really sees them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was thinking, well, what if it was somebody like high ranking like Whitney? But then everybody you would see him coming in. He wouldn't. Yeah. Right. People would notice him. So I don't think it's that. And I don't think it's Peabody. Um, I don't think she would be able to hide the secret that long.
2: Mm No. Um, (laughs) She's
1: not deceptive. Um, I don't think it's McNabb because he would have told Peabody. And Uh then she wouldn't be able to keep the secret. Um, I thought maybe for a long time it was Feeney. Because he could be sneaky and he could get down there without really people noticing him. And he would probably be the one that would be most likely to think that she would hide it and be able to know where she would hide the candy because he trained her. Right. So it's Uh. either janitorial or Feeney. Those would probably be my guess, but I don't know. Okay. Actually, I was thinking about this listening to the last book because I was going, what if she never tells us? What if we never know? Yeah. What if she doesn't know? It'd be horrible.
3: See, I think for me, I mean, we've done we've done an episode about this actually, but for <laughs> me, it's always been um, I just I think it's everyone. I think they're all in on it. I think it's the whole bullpen. It's an initiation. I think, it, I think it's an initiation, right. right? When they first come into the bullpen, you gotta steal the from da- or you gotta steal the candy from Dallas's office. So oh that- actually that
1: would make a lot of sense
4: (laughs) that's what i'm saying because there's that one
3: (laughs) there's too many people that seem to know like there's been a few just snippets throughout the series where like oh what candy what candy in your office i don't know what you're talking about like
0: um so
3: yeah that's that's my theory that actually
1: would make a lot of
0: sense yeah um so, her last question here is, um, you have several pets, including a cat, Nimbus. This is how much Dana knows about you.
1: How- <laughs> well, I post about Nimbus a lot. Okay.
0: How, would you, how would Nimbus get along with Galahad?
2: Um, so, Nimbus is definitely
1: the alpha cat. <laughs> and I have, I have two cats. Minnie Mouse is um, older. Um, Nimbus picks on her. Um, When my daughter brought over her kitten, Nimbus picked on him. I mean, he is definitely the alpha cat. Um, He's also very big like Al had, but he's actually, now that we've let him go outside, we moved from, we used to live kind of up in the mountains when we first moved to Arizona. and We couldn't let him out because of coyotes. Now that we're living in Glendale, he, we have like a park behind our house and he can go and do whatever he wants. Um, But he's brought in uh, three bunnies of which I saved two he's brought in a bird which i had feathers all over my office um uh, he uh he's chased a bunch of lizards so i think basically he would take the run of the house and galahad would just ignore him i think i think because galahad, galahad is good at ignoring what mm-hmm. annoys him
2: yeah. so yeah. i think
1: yeah. that he would probably just ignore nimbus And Nimbus will go outside into the gardens and catch all the birds and the rodents and stuff and bring them in to tell you how much he loves you.
0: There you go. I like that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like that too. I feel like that's on the nose. I mean, I obviously don't know Nimbus, but we do know Galahad. And I feel like that's how (laughs) Galahad would be around any cat. Like, yeah, "Yeah, I don't have time for you.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I don't have time for you. Just do not try and take my humans. Leave me alone. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Nimbus this is definitely my my cat he jumps up on he sleeps at my feet every single night he comes when i call him he uh gets sad when i'm not at home he sits Aww. in the window and waits for me <laughs>
0: it's so we uh we talked about uh betrayal and death and that was the one where rourke's friend mick is uh working with a team to like rob one of rourke's uh hotels or they're having an exhibit at one of R- Rourke's hotels, but Rourke doesn't know this and he has Mick come and stay with them. And Eve is right away, very like suspect of Mick, but what we loved about it was that um, Galahad right away was like, Oh no, this is, I'm, I love this dude. And I'm just going to, cause Mick <laughs> right away was like, Oh yeah, we're going to, you know, he picked him up and Galahad <laughs> was sleeping with him. And, you know, and it's so funny because, you know, often you feel like, <laughs> pets know before you do whether right. or not somebody's, a, you know, good person at heart or not, you know? Oh yeah. And Sean ended up being a good person at heart. So Galahad knew that ahead of time was trying to tell Eve, but she was still like, mm, no, this person's sus. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but she also no. was not wrong.
1: Well, yeah. Wrong either. Either.
0: yeah. Um, right. Well, You
1: can have a good heart that's
0: and right. be a good person and do the wrong and thing. still be sus. right. <laughs> As we know, works does yeah. that all the time. Yes. Exactly. Indeed. Yeah. So um I want to try to wrap up here, but we have a series of like fan questions that we ask people. If you don't mind okay. answering those, you, you can plead the fifth on any of them if you would like. <laughs> but they're easy questions. I mean, I think uh we've already talked about one of them, which was your favorite in Death Book. You told yeah, your well, like top hard. five. you you can't pick a
2: favorite (sighs) you know i have five kids
1: and so i i i feel that five is a good number i mean it's so (laughs) hard that's fair that's fair it is really hard to pick and so that's why i when we did the five favorite in death books that's you know, I had to have my honorable mentions because it's like, oh, but this was so good. And this yeah.
2: was so good. There's so yeah. many good so, ones. Yeah. It's true. I do,
1: I do like, I mean, I think probably Survivor and Death is probably one of my favorites. And was it Obsession and Death was the one about the girlfriend?
2: No. What was uh, innocent. The, innocent. 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 innocent.
1: Innocent. I mean, those are, those, they, they just resonated with me probably mm-hmm. for
2: different reasons.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay, so besides Eben Rourke, uh, who's your
2: favorite In Death character? God, that's pushing me on the spot.
0: <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> you know,
1: i I really kind of have a soft spot for Somerset.
2: Mm. Aww, and I mean, I mean, I love shag.
1: Peabody and I love McNab. Um, you know, because they're so fun um and they're just great supporting characters but i i guess somerset i love his backstory
0: Mm -hmm. i love
1: that he is a little bit older that he has this history of you know with the urban wars that really even work don't have but he has and it kind of colors his perception of everything i like how we don't know everything about him right i i mean i think we know probably a lot more now but he has just such a rich history i think it's I mean, obviously he's not old enough to be my grandfather, but I just remember loving hearing my grandfather tell stories. Mm. Um, and I guess Somerset has the thing where he's lived through so much. He has so many stories to tell and he hasn't told them all yet. And so I guess I feel like I I kind of would love to just sit down and get him to talk, even though he probably wouldn't talk about anything pertaining <laughs> right. yeah. right. to him unless I could find a way to get it out of him.
2: Right. You know, so I guess
1: I <laughs> I just I I don't know if I'd say he's my favorite secondary character, but I definitely have a very big soft spot for him. Um, Yeah. I I just, I just would, I just kind of, I love when he's on the page or when we get to learn a little bit more
0: about him. Okay. So not counting in death books. uh, What is the last book that you read? Um,
1: I, Oh, it was, um, I just, right before Portrait and Death, I listened to uh, The Nowhere Man, the second Orphan X book Mm. by Greg Hurwitz. Orphan X is a great series. It's kind of like this series where I just really, really enjoy it. Um, uh, I can't
2: live. He's building
1: building a great world with that. Um, And the one before that was um, a Michael Ledwidge book was the second book in his Mick Gannon series, which was really good. Now I can't remember the title. Was it run for cover? I think it was run for cover. So, um, but now I'm listening to Portrait in Death. And I think that I'm trying, I'm looking at my trip list to see what I recently read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny. I started two books by major authors. I'm not going to say who they were and i i just didn't love them and i'm like really Mm. surprised um so and then the next book i have on the list is the highway that i'm going to listen to after portrait and death is the highway by cj box because i just downloaded that so okay
0: all right so next question is um you could say that in the in-death world, Rourke has a monopoly on several things. When you play Monopoly, what piece do you choose? My
2: favorite?
0: Ooh. Um, well, oh, God,
1: I'm such a nerd. We have Star Trek Monopoly. So,
2: <laughs> oh my
0: God. <laughs> what pieces are for Star Wars, uh, Star Trek Monopoly. So I
1: always want to be Worf. No and, oh my god, I love that! Yeah. So I can't even remember the other Monopoly pieces, like in the standard Monopoly. I can't remember them. It was, so it's probably the dog. If there was a dog, was there a dog in the yes, original there Monopoly? Was a dog, yeah, yeah. I think I always wanted to be the dog, but um, no. But I haven't played original Monopoly since I was a little kid. Um, so I'm always wharf.
0: You're a always wharf. I always will. I get it first. The big question is um, Kirk or Picard.
1: Oh, see, that's hard because I'm nostalgic. So I love Captain Kirk, but he overacted everything. And so in terms of just better shows, it's Captain Picard because he those episodes were so, so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: also but you know what? I love Voyager. So, yeah. out of all of the series, I would probably have to pick Captain Janeway. Another uh, example of a Jane strong Way. female character.
3: Hey, I would say I would say Janeway for my, for myself too, honestly.
1: So yeah, well, I mean, hey, if we're talking about strong female characters, yes. she yep. is the epitome of smart. She listens to everybody, but she takes command. And honestly, that was the best choice of casting. They mm-hmm. could have done it. They could have screwed it up. They could have had somebody that was like bitchy. They could have had somebody who was. You know too sexy not pretty enough i mean they that was the best casting yeah i think yeah for the first female captain mm-hmm. agreed 100 percent.
0: yeah me too um we know from immortal that rourke sings in the shower do you sing in the shower
1: no i can't sing and i <laughs>
0: sing worse in the shower
4: <laughs>
0: that's fair that's fair yeah um what gadget from the in death world would you most want to have today
2: Ooh, probably the auto chef
1: i am so tired after five kids i'm so tired of cooking <laughs> mm-hmm. i want some i want it to be done for me yeah <laughs> i'd love i love 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 the auto chef uh, yeah. and the other option obviously is cars that go vertical because it's like you, when you're behind somebody you don't want to be behind boy that would be so much fun
0: yeah but no yeah I would
1: have to be the auto chef.
0: Auto chef. Um, so, this doesn't have anything with in depth, but we'll ask it anyway. Um, what is your most controversial opinion?
2: <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> you don't want to know. I used to
1: work in politics, so I probably have a lot of <laughs> controversial opinions. <things. laughs> um, let's, let's put it this way I don't talk politics online in general because. of the country is going to disagree with me no matter what. Mm -hmm. So I, I really try hard to uh, respect everybody's opinion, even though they disagree with me. I have five kids. My kids do not all agree. Um, and so, you know, you have to keep the peace, Mm -hmm. but no, seriously, it's like, why would I, why would I do that? I get, like I said, at the very beginning, I get very irritated when authors start getting preachy in their books. And I try hard not to do that. Um, I would say probably the most controversial opinion I'm willing to publicly speak because my daughter is a cop mm-hmm. is that I definitely am very pro law enforcement. Mm. And I know a lot of people have problems with cops now. I think most of them are good. I got one review. I, I, yes, I read my reviews. I know I shouldn't. I'm sure Nora Roberts does not read her reviews, but I can't help we it. Read them. <laughs>
4: But we do. I, um, we read them. <laughs> I had
1: somebody accuse me of copaganda and I had to look it up because I had no idea what copaganda was. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know what? If that's the worst you could say about me, I don't care because I, I have been on ride-alongs. I know a lot of cops. My daughter is in law enforcement. I know what she faces every single day when she goes out. And um, I have no problem with it. Is if the people want to say, all my characters that are cops are not all good. I mean, I know there are Mm -hmm. bad cops out there and every once in a while I will incorporate a bad cop character in a story, but I believe like the rest of society, I think that 97% of cops are good that are doing their job for good reasons. And the few that are bad, we need to take care of and deal with that and not, not condemn the entire profession because there are some assholes out there. Right. Right. So that's probably the most controversial opinion I will publicly speak. And I have no shame in speaking that. And I, I got some heat because I would not come down and condemn things without knowing facts or without like saying, you know, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I I will take the heat, you know, when you have family in law enforcement and my mom used to be a dispatcher. So I was raised around law enforcement and she fire and police dispatch it was a small town so they she did both um yeah that's that's it okay so and i'm so anyway yeah I, this was so, you guys had so much fun i wish i had thought of
0: this
2: <laughs>
0: um okay so the next question is uh rourke has an unusual collection of weapons of war what unusual collection do you have i
1: have a lot of collections let's see i collect starbucks mugs from every city that i go to i collect um star wars i am i love okay this star wars star trek i'm definitely star wars my son is named luke Mm -hmm. so i have all my little (laughs) see i have my little yoda over here Mm -hmm. i have a whole bunch of lego characters of um from all the star wars Lego sets that I used to buy my sons because I love Star Wars so much that I bought them for them so they could build them, and I have all the little characters that come with them. Right. Because they're too old for them apparently. Um, let's see. I have a collection of Garfield cats. I have a collection of little. Oh, my husband when he used to travel on business, he would bring me back stuff bears with the names, the shirt name of the city he went to, and oh, I still have all those.
2: I like that. That's
1: sweet. <laughs> I guess I collect a lot of stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's awesome. unusual that
3: you collect a lot of different things. There yeah. you
1: go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if any of those are really that unusual, but.
0: Yeah. OK, no. so here's our, our our most controversial questions to so get ready for it. <laughs> OK, <laughs> occasionally Eve will allow Peabody to stop for food. And more often than not, that is some sort of hot dog is a hot dog, a sandwich.
1: Yes, it's a piece of meat between bread.
0: You are correct. You are incorrect.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can. I well, I, can, at least I can say that um, that Allison and Susan Erickson both agree with me. So that uh, is, they they both. Everybody they else do. agrees with
4: Jen. But at least don't I not. have
0: Allison and, Susan I don't. Her, so.
4: <laughs> and I don't agree with anyone because I just don't care. <laughs> I <would end> it. <laughs> it's like, this is the dumbest question it, and the dumbest argument that we is, have. On this It show. is, but it's so entertaining being yeah. a person mm-hmm. who doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so the next question, I mean, it's been a couple of years since I wrote these questions up, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What lesson what lessons are you taking away from 2020? 2021, 2022, since <laughs> all of this is like drag on for like two years.
1: Um, so, oh, this might end up being a controversial answer mm. um, that critical thinking is dead. That's the lesson that I've learned. Um, but uh, that's, that's not controversial. That's true. That is <laughs> so true. So, I, I that's probably the, my, my lesson. And also, I would also say um, the other lesson is. I hope we never, ever, 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 ever close schools nationwide again. I think that was the single gravest sin that we committed. And we're going to be paying for it for the next generation. Yeah,
0: yeah. you're probably right.
1: So that's, that's another lesson that I really, really hope we learned and, not,
0: and don't yeah. do that anymore. But despite that, I really hope that Gen Z is the one to bring critical thinking back.
1: <laughs> so I yeah. have three Gen Zers. I yeah. have two millennials and three Gen Zs um and they are an interesting bunch and they're very self-aware they are um mm-hmm. they are so i it, it's a it's a very it, it, it's a very interesting generation i'm gen mm-hmm. x yeah, I, you guys yeah, are all gen yeah. x
0: too
1: yeah uh, tara's a millennial, <laughs>
0: millennial. <laughs>
1: um so i i do have two millennials because obviously my cop daughter and it's mm-hmm. so funny i probably shouldn't say this but so yeah. my cop daughter is very, very conservative. And my number two daughter is very, very liberal. Mm. And, you know, they're complete opposites, but they're two right. years apart. They're both millennials. And I yeah. think that's really kind of funny. Um, it's just different. And I raised them the same way. I, I mean, it's like, they yeah. yeah, they were like yeah. inseparable. They're only two years apart. So I did everything with them. Right. And they're totally different, which is fine. I love them both dearly. But um, Gen Z is a very, very interesting generation. I have mm-hmm. actually learning a lot about them. Mm-hmm. You know, That's my son, he, he's 21. He's 21. He's graduating early from college. He's at Texas Tech. And he calls me every single day. Yeah. And, I, am. and I'm happy that he does, even when he annoys me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you ever heard of this theory, but I read, um, I, I have been reading a book called The, um, the Fourth Turning and um, there's this theory out there it started a a long time ago with a book that two guys wrote in the 90s basically breaking up our history into um, increments of like 80 years each and each 20 years is a different they called it turning and they all started out with you know relative uh, peace and then Things become more chaotic over time until you have a big climactic, like, for example, uh, you know, uh, right after the Revolutionary War. And then we went into a period of relative peace and then things started devolving until we got to the point where, you know, Civil War. After that, you know, we had a period of relative peace and then everything started devolving until I think they think the fourth turning in that section is the, the Second World War. And then, you know, so now we're in the fourth turning of this, you know, quadrant that we're in and their uh, prediction was that that in the uh, 20s and 30s, there was going to be a big cataclysmic thing that happens. That's going to like cause some big, you know, global disruption, which is and they said this in the 90s, which is now happening. And, you know, um, but the reason I bring it up is because. Um, the theory now is, you know, that after that happens, then the next, you know, section happens where we're going to have peace for, you know, twenty years or whatever. And Gen Z is the one that's going to bring that to bring that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're of peace. They're going to lead us through that. So I hope so. I have, I, a yeah, lot I really of, hope. So. Uh, yeah. I have, yeah, a lot of hope for It's fascinating. Yeah, Gen Z, I Emmy. Mean,
1: yeah. Oh, I might have to look up that. That book, I, I have heard of, of the theory in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cyclical theory uh, just reminds me that we don't seem to learn from our history, right? <laughs> that's true. And then we can't, can't stop school for two years, so they're not learning anything about our history. So, right. you know, I think it, I think there is a little truth to that, and that we we really kind of have to look at these things. Yeah, I'm not very happy with everything that's going on in the world right now, and um, yeah, and so. Hopefully well, well, I will Z say will that my us. kids are smart. <laughs> my, and my 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 kids are smart. Luke's yeah. a math major. He's graduate math. math. For me, I don't understand it But he uh and then Mary is uh studying to be a teacher. So
2: yeah. Great.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said, I have a lot of hope that they're gonna save us. They're the ones. So yeah. come on, jency. Hey Gen <laughs> come on, counting on you. you. Got this. Okay, a couple more questions. Uh if Mira's playlist contains some songs by Mavis Freestone, some people might be surprised. What band or artist would people be most surprised to find on your playlist?
2: Ooh, I don't know if people
1: would be surprised. I mean, I am Gen X. So like we were saying, <laughs> um, right. I have a lot of rock, uh, hard rock on my list. Um, one of my favorite bands when I was in high school was Led Zeppelin. So I still have wow. a lot of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, I guess the biggest surprise would probably be I still like the Grateful Dead. Most people are stunned when they hear that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I was raised in Northern California and the Grateful Dead was huge there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, on my playlist, it was... I don't know if it's I didn't put it there. But I do have the entire Glee soundtrack on my playlist because my daughter was obsessed with Glee. There and so go. it's on my playlist because that's we have some, family sharing. Good
4: stuff. That's some, some good stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've got a ton of Glee
3: versions of songs on my on my playlist. So it's all good.
0: <laughs> I have no Glee versions of any songs. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> um, so our last question is... Um, well, you know, generally people listen to our podcast, but, um, besides podcasts and death, favorite podcasts, do you listen to podcasts?
1: I have listened to a few true crime podcasts, but I couldn't name them because it's mm-hmm. just
0: based on the topic
1: that they're talking about. Right. And I say, Oh, that sounds interesting. I'm going to listen to that. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't, I did write a book called the sorority murder about a cold case podcast. So I mm-hmm. listened to a whole bunch of different podcasts.
2: Oh, um, research. Just
1: to get into the feeling of what true crime podcasts are all about. Right. Um, And some of them were very interesting. I just haven't jumped up. I will admit I have listened to a lot of Joe Rogan, a wide variety of his stuff. He had one on nutrition. He had this woman on talking about nutrition for women in their fifties. I know women in my fifties. I said, Oh, that sounds really interesting. And actually changed my whole vitamins after listening to her. Yeah. um, The vitamins that I take. So, um, which I think actually has really helped make me sleep better and be more alert. So I have more power to that. Um, But I don't listen. I do listen to audiobooks now. I never listened to audiobooks until about two years ago. And then said I had to get out. I gained a lot of weight. And I said I have to walk every single morning. And the only way I could walk in the morning is if I'm listening to something. Mm -hmm. So that's how I started listening to audiobooks. And so I've listened every Lisa Gardner that's been discounted. Even if I've read the book, I will buy Mm. that
0: Mm because I like
1: her narrator every in-depth book that has been discounted. I've bought that. And Susan Erickson
0: is one of the best. Yeah, it it really has a lot to do with the narrator.
1: It really does. Yeah. I like the um, Orphan X narrator is really good. And the reason why I I got into Joe Pickett was because of his narrator. Mm. Although I have to go Joe Pickett at like one point three times because Joe Pickett is a very slow methodical character Mm. and so is his reader. So I have to speed that up a little (laughs) bit. Love it.
0: Okay. Well, that's our fan questions. Um, you, Jen, Tara, do you have any other questions? No, this is really, really a great interview. Yeah.
2: Uh, I I really enjoyed it. it. Yeah. It was tons (laughs) of fun. (laughs)
3: It's going to yeah. be great to hear. It's going to be a lot of fun. You were a delightful guest. Thank you so
1: much.
2: <laughs> thank you. And thank yeah. you for
1: having me. And this is like such a fun, so fun. topic. I you know this is the kind of podcast that is fun and, uh, you know, not so serious. And I love it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, if you if you like listening to three people being a bunch of idiots, I mean, we, we've got a hundred episodes. So no, I just, think I'm going to go and dig yeah, up we
0: just uh, Susan Erickson one. There yeah, our interview yeah. with Susan Erickson was amazing. It was good. It was really, he told really us good. it was all about her entire process and, you know, did the feeny yeah. voice for us and it was it, it was just yeah. we were we were good. all fangirling so really happy. hard. Yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, we just released our 100th episode today. So, awesome. that's actually a good place to start because What we did was we did a montage of all of our art. We asked our listeners to vote on, you know, what their favorite moments were. We did a montage of all of those. So you get a real good idea of what you're dealing with, with that one episode. Very cool. Okay.
1: I'll definitely do that. I'll do the Susan Erickson
0: one and then your hundredth episode. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, well, thank you so much for, for taking time out. And um, so you're, your la your latest book is sorry remind me of the, the wrong, title victim. Again.
1: The wrong, wrong victim. victim yep it just came out uh two weeks ago
0: right so um if you aren't already uh reading allison's books go out and pick up that's the third in the quinn and costa uh, yeah trilogy we're so far a trilogy are you going yeah. farther
1: yes the fourth okay. book will be out next year and then i have two mm. more under contract so there oh, awesome. will at least be six if not more yeah i have more ideas i have a lot of ideas for these characters so okay
0: awesome. so you can start either like i did start with the latest book or start with the the first book in that series you know um i've also read a little bit i don't know I'm, my brain is scattered so i'm reading also <laughs> some of the uh, lisa kincaid books. i think i got which one at uh, the uh sorry ice um
1: cold Which as one? ice
0: yes yeah that's why the, that one
1: that's number seven well that's the most recent one mm, you might okay. be confused just because yeah. it's it it came out last year and oh, it,
2: okay
1: it deals with basically kind of a compilation you you learn a lot about lucy there's a lot of recurring characters in that one okay. we're talking about recurring characters this right. is kind of where they all come together
0: yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, pick up some of Allison's books and we will definitely, uh, get you in touch with Dana. Uh, yes, I will.
1: I would love to send her whichever book she wants.
0: All right. Cool. Oh, perfect. So, yeah. So again, thanks so much for, for being on the podcast. Yes, we you very, really very appreciate much. it. And thank I know you. our fans are going to appreciate it. Yeah. And enjoyed it so much. You're welcome to come back on well, anytime fun. you want. If Please you have do. a, a, <laughs> specific topic that you really need to talk about in death. I will remember that. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Yeah, we'll have you on and we'll talk out. about that topic. Yeah.
1: Huh. Well, thank you. I, well, my kids have been texting me. I'm glad I had my phone on mute so that I didn't <laughs> have to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again. It was nice meeting you all.
0: All right. Thank nice you. meeting you. It was, so so fun. And it was wonderful. wonderful. Thank really. you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much.
2: Thank
0: you. Bye. Bye. Oh my God. I love her. Was she was great it was
3: so good
2: she was great. Yeah. so
0: knowledgeable about the series i mean not yeah. not necessarily you know obviously yeah she couldn't tell us book yeah. titles and that's that's right. not uncommon no there's so at all. many books we can't even yeah. remember book titles half the time
2: no
4: thank you. Jen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Yeah, good thing Jen's here.
4: (laughs) I loved her, so um, I may have purchased several of her books on the call. As she's talking about it, I'm like, uh huh, okay, add to cards,
0: (laughs) right? Yeah,
4: (laughs) I Um, I feel like I'm still bummed that like all of the audiobook narrations got bad reviews because I was like, I could literally make time to put that in right now but i cannot read a physical book right now
0: yeah um
4: wait
2: i guess
0: yeah the the only thing like i was saying to you guys i mean and it had i know it has to do with my like covid brain or whatever and then you know everything going on and it's really hard for me to concentrate on a book so especially you know now and and also because we're, we're reading, you know, the in death series and we have to be so in depth with that.
4: Yeah. It's, it's not,
0: hard to concentrate on another book. Yeah. You know, I'm kind um, of
4: enjoying being in a place where I re- like I can revisit the in-depth series. I'm like, you know, we're doing basic snitches stuff. And I'm like, I would like to read a book. Or I would like to watch a show. Um, once my theater life slows down, but I just am like, I might need to just do things that I've, Already read, already seen. You know, yeah. Well, I do so much. We do watch one episode of Miss Maisel whenever we can. But
0: <laughs> yeah, that's another one I have to, I have to start watching. People,
4: people are like, "Where are you guys at?" We're like, "Oh, we just started the third season, and it's been mm, a long time." But yeah. you know what?
0: It's worth it.
2: Um.
0: Let's see. I, I don't really have, po- I think we have one new uh, patron. I do oh, want to okay. shout out to that new patron. Let me see. Jasmine. Oh, thank you, Jasmine. So yeah. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Jasmine for being... is a
3: member, I think of the discord too, but she's also on the Facebook okay. group.
0: Okay. Good, good. Well, thank you so much for becoming a patron. We really, really appreciate it. Other than that, I just, I, I don't really have much, you know, this, this episode's gone, you know, pretty long so yeah. Yeah, <laughs> also, great, it was uh, great uh, one of our interviews it's it's long yeah um, but she had so many interesting things to say I she didn't want to cut it short you know so um, and I hope you know Dana's happy with how we conducted the interview <laughs> she'll let us know I'm we, sure. hope oh. Dana,
3: we hope Dana enjoyed we hope you all enjoyed but we especially hope Dana enjoyed yeah.
0: and absolutely go and get um, some of Allison's books if you uh, if you're a fan of suspense novels and romantic yes. suspense and, and that kind of thing, definitely go out. I really out am enjoying it. when I'm reading. Oh, good, like, good. It's scary. Yeah.
3: It's just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, but I'm right. so excited. But no, it's yeah. very well written. It's The
0: characters are great. So, yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to digging more into her work. So again, that's allison Brennan, and she's got 40 plus books out there. And I'm sure that all of our readers can find at least one or two that would uh, resonate would, with them would appeal yeah yeah, and hopefully we'll get her on again yes that'd you know? be awesome because that would be Good real fun on. yep so okay well that's that's about yeah. it um, all right for this episode awesome. you know how to get a hold of us on all of our social medias just look for our podcast in death. Um, you can send us an email at show at podcast You can call the number 205-476-2753, And that spells out two zero five four Rourke. And um, that's about it. So yeah. uh, thanks for listening. And thanks. for podcast and death, this is AJ. I'm Jen. This is Tara. And we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Guys. Guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Podcast in Death. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five star review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcast in Death is hosted by Amy Ryan, Jen Terpstra, and Tara Corkery, and is edited and produced by Amy Ryan. The opinions expressed on this show are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the in-death fandom at large. Podcast in Death is not in any way affiliated with Nora Roberts, Berkeley, Penguin Publishing Group, or St. Martin's Press. Our theme song is Justice Never Sleeps by Cosmo and is available on Shutterstock.com. This episode and all of our previous episodes are available at podcastindeath.com. Have something to say? You can email us at show at podcastindeath.com or find us on social media by searching for Podcast in Death on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, you can call us and leave a message at 205-476-2753. That spells out 2054 Rourke. Thanks again for listening. And in the immortal words of Brian Kelly, fucking slonchitune.